Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show on the air the Truman Show is on the air now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS here's Truman Jones good morning Rutherford County and here is my old buddy Greg Tucker and it's my time I, I, I thought this morning you've been Good morning. You've been good morning. Uh, bushwhacking me for can 10 good, years. Can I say good morning? Good yeah, morning. say good morning. Good yeah. morning, Truman. Thank you, uh, my, now, my old... Now I wanted to ask thank you. Thank you, uh, Brother Greg. No, I'm asking the first time. <laughs> okay. All right. I have a question for you. Whose birthday is today that's a major birthday across the country? The silence indicates that I don't know. Oh, I'm so tickled. I just, it's Pat Head Summit's birthday today, 14th of June. And how old is Miss Summit? Well, of course, she's passed on, bless her heart. Uh And I still think she was the best basketball coach ever. But she wasn't just a basketball coach. She taught all the things that the young people need to know to be successful. And uh, they were so structured in in a way. And uh, I think that she has all the coaches in the the United States, whether it's men's coach or girls coach, they have followed in her footsteps. And it's made the world so much better by the way that she was able to um, get those girls to be something special in their lives, not just on the court, but in in life period so i was um uh i i have a a great uh fondness for her which which is really really something that's uh unbelievable let's see caller said to wish wait a minute i don't know who's putting this out over at the radio station caller Probably uh, he has to read it now. Yeah. <laughs> off, off the screen. All right, give it a try. I'm trying. Caller also said to wish the flag a happy birthday. It is it's flag, flag day. day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big time. Yeah, well, I hope you got your flag flying. Yeah, well, uh, f- the flag means a lot to me, and that's why every year I will uh, – for two of my old buddies that died during the, uh, the Vietnam War, I, I still get my the flags out for them. They're they're just really really two, William Burkhart and Robert Boyd. So I had to mention their names. So what? How did you get through the weekend? I mean, it was hot out there. I went over into Cannon County at Parsley's and uh, enjoyed time with uh, uh, Charles Brandon and Bud Brandon. Uh, the the basketball coach over in Woodbury and we sat there I guess we talked for three hours and got to meet all the people that have I've known most of my life 
and uh, Andy Bryson, you know Andy. I, it's the first time I've seen Andy in a long time. Of course, he had the paper over there. And, and uh, it, you know, country life is still special. It really is. I, I think I could... I could live out in the country, and, and uh, as long as I've got friends out there, I, I could be there forever. Uh, there's a whole uh, culture. We call it the blinking yellow light over there at Parsley's. Yes. Uh, but uh, that whole side of the county at Parsley's is a gathering place. And uh, do, do they still have the uh, frog legs? They still have frog legs, yes. You know, about the only place I know for sure yeah. you can get... Get fried frog legs. I miss I miss not being able to see Ben Gates, because that was one of his favorite hang hangouts. One of the regulars. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, last week we had a real earth-altering event that I'm sure you take notice of. Uh, we now have another ocean, a fifth ocean. I haven't heard about that. Of course, I don't have. Uh, a TV like you have. Yeah, you do. I mean, yours I is my, like mine. We, I read. I don't know anything about the TV. Oh, you read? Yeah, well, you know, we used to have four oceans. Yeah? We now have five. Oh, okay. Where is it? Huh? Where is it? It's called the Southern Ocean. The Southern Ocean. Yeah. What did they do? Change, uh, 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 well, let's see. And well, the Atlantic and, and the Pacific both go all the way across the south of, yeah. of the world. Well, they took part of each of those uh -huh. and part of the Indian Ocean. And they are National Geographic, who seems to dominate the world of maps. NOAA, our uh, weather service, which has the Weather Bureau. Mm -hmm. And an international consortium of uh, scientists of some kind have decided that uh, where the three oceans meet at Antarctica needs to be designated as a separate ocean. Hmm. So now the perimeter ocean around the Antarctic continent is the southern the southern uh, ocean, which means all the maps in the future will identify five rather than four in, uh, oceans. Uh, Why know. have we got to change things all the time in this I, I have a mixed reaction. I have a big mixed reaction yeah. to that. Uh, but the uh, uh, argument is that uh, by designating it separately, then it will be treated as a separate, more likely to be treated as a separate ecological environment. And maybe that, that serves us. Uh, but I don't think they did a popular vote among the penguins or anything like that. I believe it's more fiat. My son suggested that maybe uh, somebody's trying to sell all new globes uh, and maps, which uh, National Geographic does publish. Uh, but I pointed out to him that nobody uses those anymore. It's all online. Hmm. Uh, but if you program your GPS, in fact, I want to try it, see what happens. Go on your GPS with Southern Ocean and see where it tells you to go. I mean... That's that's too simple. If you're going to change the name of something, do it to make it stand out. I mean, just like they changed the name of, uh, actually, they didn't really change it. One of our planets, they did away with it. And just because they didn't like dogs. I mean, why in the world would they be able to do something like that? Uh, yeah, you're talking about Mickey's dog. Yeah, Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, I hope that error is corrected in our lifetime because I know there's still a pro-Pluto lobby out there that's yeah. working to bring it back. <clears throat> I don't know where it's gone in the meantime. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me add to some information we were talking about last week. Uh, Carol Hughes, one of my colleagues in the Historic Society. Oh, before we get more on that, uh, I do want to mention that I have had so many people that were so happy that you had you received the DAR award and uh, I, I run into people all the time that that mention your name when it comes to something and how much that you have done for this community well I, I am flattered and I did see it's got into the media the national uh, level organization has recognized the county mm -hmm. Rutherford County in Tennessee one of only 30 counties where uh, the county historian was honored with the with the award, a medal. Mm -hmm. So what they what they use the awards. But uh, I was about to say last week we talked about speed cops, and the clipping I had did not have a date on it, and we were struggling with how to how to yeah. date it. Uh, Carol Hughes, who uh, is skilled at uh, newspaper research, uh, emailed me, and uh, she had found the article in place in the in the media mm -hmm. and to my surprise we were off of about 15 years it was a 1931 incident hmm. involving uh, what they identified as two of the speed cops one of whom according to the article was also serving at that time as the Murfreesboro fire chief yeah uh, a little bit more research I did it looks like the speed cops were under the sheriff because they seemed to have jurisdiction a wider jurisdiction than just the city. Uh, and uh, we've yet to know exactly how we came to have speed cops working in the county back in the 1931. And I'm also, the name Buck Qualls, of course, is very familiar. Yeah. And uh, particularly in those who are familiar with our fire services and the way it's evolved over the years. Uh, how we came to have speed cops and why we don't have speed cops would be an interesting interesting story if anybody has a lead on that and also how long did Buck Claw serve as a Murfreesboro fire chief it seems like forever I mean yeah. he was there a long time well according to this article that he was serving at that time in 1931 and mm -hmm. you and I remember him in the 50s yeah and uh, I wonder maybe was there more than one Buck Claws uh, maybe they pass that down generation. Right. He was the only one I knew. <laughs> See, update on another project. We have talked about the grave of Thomas Blanton, a Revolutionary War veteran, and the effort in connection with the DAR and others. The primarily it began with the mayor's office to restore the markings for the grave site. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know uh, through Mayor Ketron, who, uh, whose family at one time owned the property we're, we're dealing with. It's now sub subdivided. Uh, but he also had taken possession to preserve the remnants of the uh, monument. And we are having it put back together as best you can with what, what we were able to salvage and put back in place. question was, an out-of-town owner owns the property in which the cemetery is included. 
and uh, Mayor Ketron uh, has attempted to communicate with them and not gotten any response. And we were a little concerned about we don't want to have to put the monument back at a spot that's not the grave itself. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, some research, again, uh, Carol Hughes helping, carrying much of the load. Uh, we've determined by review of the deeds that there is a cemetery easement on the property. Hmm. So it's not essential that we get permission from the private property owner. Uh, I am going to give notice with just a formal letter uh, on uh, my letterhead that we're going to take advantage of the easement in order to place the monument back on the grave mm -hmm. and to clean up the, the grave site. And uh, once we get that done, I'm hoping that... Uh, one of the DAR chapters will again uh, decorate, they call it, put a marker on the grave from the DAR confirming that it's a uh, Revolutionary War veteran, Thomas Blanton. Yeah. And uh, I'm particularly uh, uh, enjoying this because we honor all of our generals and all of our, our battle heroes. Uh, Thomas Blanton apparently served very ably as a private. Yeah. Uh, before migrating over here to Rutherford County. And it's interesting that on the adjoining property, uh, the remnants of what appear to have been the Blanton home, or at least uh, the successor owners on that property, is still there, very prominent, uh, and uh, uh, I think could easily become uh, an area of some uh, archaeological interest. Uh, but uh, to bring it up to date, now the monument itself is now in the uh, uh, workroom of the one who's doing the, the rehabilitation, I guess you'd call it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a time estimate from him, but uh, we, he has actually decided this is a young graduate of the MTSU concrete program oh that's a great program over yeah there. very good program and he's been out about maybe as much as 10 years now and uh seems to be very skilled he's done uh the uh reverend donald uh, restoration with us before uh he's working on it and has concluded the best way to go about it since he's putting together it looks like a jigsaw puzzle mm -hmm. is to do it in his shop and then we'll get three or four husky fellows to literally carry it out and place it on the grave. Uh, and that uh, hopefully will happen this summer or early fall. And uh, then we'll have up an appropriate dedication. And uh, uh, one more little thing that uh, is part of our local history. You know, since, since you're mentioning that, um, uh, the DAR is is trying to find all of the uh, veterans from World War II that are still with us. Uh, I got an inquiry about that just the other day. Yeah. Uh huh. They're they're working hard, and and it's amazing an, an organization like that how much that organization means to us here in Rutherford County, and, and those ladies are really really special, and. Um, in fact, they came over here, and, and they're wondering um, 
if if we had any records and i knew that you knew a lot of them but I, I, I didn't know if we had any type of records that still would follow those. Uh, that has not been put together. Uh, there are a lot of, what would you say, piecemeal lists. Yeah. Uh, I suggested to them that uh, it would be a big project, but if we would go through the media of that era, uh, the daily newspapers, both the Rutherford Courier and the Daily News Journal, were publishing lists of inductees mm -hmm. and uh, volunteers you know as they left the area uh, and then of course there's a lot of reporting of activities uh, in fact the newspapers of those era had a lot of letters from the front kind of articles where they would use the letters the information in the letters to inform the public about the act the wartime activity yeah if we went through the papers starting in about 1939 40 and picked up a, that would give us because they're looking not just for those who are surviving but uh, the inquiry i got was you know can we identify all those who served uh from the area and it'd be a big task but uh, the DAR largely is responsible for having done it for the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. We have a long list, and not complete, I'm sure, but uh, near complete, as near as you can get from the sources of our Revolutionary War veterans that mm. uh, are in, uh, are buried, or lived in Rutherford County. That is a task. Yeah. And we do have, in fact, Susan Daniel was one of the uh, principals in putting that together. How's Susan doing? I haven't seen her in a long time. Uh, and Jim. Susan and I serve on the Records Commission, mm -hmm. which is a little known but an important uh, county operation. And I saw her at the last meeting, which was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she was... Uh, quite active and certainly informative because she's been involved with that activity oh for many many years yeah and uh, it's an important activity uh today any county office that wants to clean out their files and and destroy records that are no longer needed uh goes through a process of identifying those files by date and content and submitting that to the archivist, yeah. John Lodel. And then uh, John brings it to the Records Commission after he has researched the statutory obligations and makes his recommendation to the Records Commission. And assuming that uh, there's an agreement that it's okay to destroy these, we sign off. Yeah. And those records would then, uh, in most cases, be shredded and disposed of. And there are a lot of records that there's no requirement and really no need to preserve. Uh, then there are many records that have a fixed time limit that they have to be like ranging from five years to mm -hmm. 50 to forever. Uh, and, uh, you know, we check to be sure that those kind of records are treated according to the statute and what, what's reasonable. And I'm glad that the county decided to have the county historian by position and the county genealogist by position and susan's in that role as the county genealogist i remember when we didn't at one time oh yes 
I think I can't uh, remember. Once a year, they would come in the, down the sheriff's office and see what type of records need to be kept and which one needs to be right. destroyed well, there, at that time. Well, there's a much more structured process now. Yeah, I'm glad they did that. Yeah, and it's uh, having been a trial attorney uh, when you were on the adverse side of an entity that has destroyed records and mm -hmm. can't explain why or can't show the process and they're arguably records pertinent to the lawsuit. Oh, that's great yeah. you're on the other side because that leaves you an opportunity to tell the jury what you want them to know was in those records. And But if you can say, well, according to our established procedures, uh, those records were uh, destroyed in a yeah. certain time, and then it's, you, know, you can't argue that they were destroying them to hide anything. Oh, you, you sound... Uh, like you're singing or something I don't know with the music the background that's following you that's pretty, let's take a quick break that's pretty good music yeah <laughs> from NHC's Adams Place home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS FM 100.5 and 101.9 AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Saks Fifth Avenue Fulfillment Center in Laverne is having a hiring event on Saturday, June 19th. The event is from 9 to 12 at 1 Walden Books Drive in Laverne. Pay is between $15 and $18 an hour, plus a $100 hiring bonus. Almost 100 full-time positions available for all shifts. Positions are filling fast. Candidates must apply online at careersatsaks.com before attending. To keep you cool, the Kona Ice Truck will be on site from 11 to 1 at Saks Fifth Avenue. Come on out and see our associates in Laverne. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088. Congratulations, you've retired. You might not be going into the office anymore, but you're finding that between the cleaning, the laundry, the lawn care, all of your home maintenance chores, you're still putting in a day's work every day. By moving to Adams Place Independent Living, the staff takes care of all that for you. Go to adamsplace.org to learn more or find us on Facebook, Adams Place. You don't have hot dogs or apple pie or no Chevrolet to drive, but we have some hickory smoke wings you're just dying to try. You'll try them, you'll like them, you'll give some to a friend. So on a dare, just stop on by and bring in a friend. Slick Pig Barbecue, 1920 East Main. guys, this is Scott. I want to encourage you to make your health a priority. It's easier than you think at Low T Center. They are reinventing the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone levels. They offer a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, lack of motivation and drive, have noticed a weight gain or a loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. It all starts with a quick and easy health assessment, and it's covered by most health insurance. 
Low T Center is concierge medicine exclusively for us men, and they now offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-inject at-home treatments are $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. To schedule your health assessment, go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Catch the Del Wamsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The Tennessee Department of Agriculture's Consumer and Industry Services Division is alerting consumers to a recall of Simple Truth plant-based chocolate chip cookies. An undeclared allergen was discovered during the routine sampling and testing of food products at a Kroger in East Tennessee. The product tested positive for the presence of dairy. Dairy is an allergen and was not declared on the product packaging. The Simple Truth plant-based chocolate chip cookie six-ounce package was distributed by Two Good Gourmet of Lorenzo, California. Full recall details on our website, WGNSRadio.com. Reports indicate that the land on which the last independent full-service grocery store sits has been purchased by St. Paul's Episcopal Church. However, officials there say nothing will change. Food land will remain in business and the church will simply become the landlord. The downtown East Main Street Church is landlocked and the leaders of St. Paul's Episcopal reportedly saw it as an opportunity for future growth, while at the same time keeping a locally owned business in which the community depends alive and vibrant. Murfreesboro's Walnut House event venue was the scene of the 9th Annual United Way of Rutherford County and Cannon County's United We Style Stayin' Alive, featuring a definite 70s flair. United We Style 2021 was a hit with almost 200 in attendance, along with about $10,000 raised for the dozens of organizations receiving funds from United Way of Rutherford and Cannon Counties. A $50,000 Tennessee Board of Regents grant will provide mentoring opportunities for new MTSU students, while another $47,400 grant from the Board of Regents will support new students with writing skills. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. How are you feeling today? More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at getsthealthcare.com. 
Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. Bell Jewelers has had the pleasure of helping engaged couples for over 142 years. Bell Jewelers is Waterford Crystal. We have engravable watches, Longine and Seiko, clocks, picture frames that they can put their wedding photo in and personalize it for that special day. That's Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, right across the street from Toots Restaurant. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon, high in the low 90s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 61. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 74. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. Now more than ever, count on WGNS. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker. If, if the uh, radio station could get me that information, uh, he's left a number, but I can't call him while I'm on the air. Paul and course everybody knows that mickey mantle is my favorite baseball player of all time so and hooray for the tennessee balls and the vanderbilt team they're both going to the world series this year and man they were dominant uh, uh, during the 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 pre-world series time the super regional yeah the super regional unbelievable yeah well you and i talked about wouldn't it be something we ended up with those two playing in the the finals. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Well, Tennessee's a hitting team, and Vanderbilt has got a great pitching team, so that would be a, an unbelievable World Series. Uh, I hope we have it. Yeah. See, I want to say hello to uh, Marty, my Smyrna historian counterpart. Yeah. Hey, Marty. Hey, Marty. If you're listening, uh, we're going to get by and see you here eventually soon. Uh, but if you're checking out and getting back on the horse before we get to you, give us a call so we know where to find you. Seriously, Marty's uh, still got a pretty good long road ahead of him, and I want him to continue to know that he's got some uh, aggressive supporters. We want to see him back in action. I want to see him back on the horse with that pistol in his hand. Yeah, yeah, the shot shot pistol. Yeah, the shot pistol. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have lunch today with another uh, historian, uh, Mike Lyles. And uh, if Mike's listening, I want to pass along an accolade. I don't know how many years, but he has been one of the leading uh, volunteers on the Friends of the Battlefield. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, probably he's going to share a little information on that. I also personally... Very much appreciate the role he was willing to take back during the 
controversy about uh, Forest Hall on the MTSU campus. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mike was one of the few who was willing to stand up for the community, and, and uh, eventually uh, we prevailed on that. And uh, uh, But the record will show that uh, the only one who really was willing to stand up, only one in the group that was gathered to supposedly uh, make a recommendation. He really stood up for the community and the sentiments of the community during that period. That was kind of a hostile atmosphere during that particular time because there were a lot of people who uh, kind of took it way too far as far as what they were going to do with uh, the ROTC building over there. Mm -hmm. And you did a great job over there, Greg, because I went with you a couple of times and at MTSU one time and, and uh that was a pretty rowdy situation there for a while, which there was really no reason for that all that to be happening the way it was. Well, part of what I thought was tragic was uh, we, this culture, missed an opportunity to come together and yeah. celebrate a particular historic figure of the life of because... Uh, not only was Nathan Bedford Forrest a military genius uh, and all the things that uh, he accomplished in that respect, but he also was the only uh, individual identified with the Confederacy who became a hardcore advocate for the rights of the freed slaves, the freedmen, yeah. and was extremely popular and was... Today is still, if we would look at it objectively, somebody that we could see from both sides as making a significant contribution. Uh, and his advocacy, and uh, not more than words, he actually hired and, and helped and assisted uh, the educational uh, opportunities and work opportunities for the freed slaves. Uh, somebody we could have come together and celebrated together. Uh, and instead, uh, all of that contribution was being ignored or or uh, covered, covered up. And uh, the, real, the real story was lost, but maybe someday. Then, then uh, they were removed from... The cemetery in Memphis is, 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 I think that's correct, and I believe they're moving them to Columbia, if I, if if I uh, heard it uh, the way that it should have been. Yeah, the Sons of Confederate Veterans uh, have uh, worked out what should not have to be, but probably the best solution, and they've taken possession not only of the statue and uh, the monuments that were part of the Forest Park in Memphis, mm -hmm. which no longer exists, and now are actually moving the, uh, the graves, the remains of mm -hmm. Forrest and his wife. And uh, uh, there will be a museum and headquarters uh, for the Sons of Confederate Veterans there, which will house in part as well as other other relics and such. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm hoping it will be open to the public so the story can be told 
even though uh, some resist it. But let's see, this September, and I'm, this is a commercial, I will be, uh, of course, we didn't do it last year, but I will be one of the uh, speakers in what's called the uh, Adventures in Learning, which is a uh, month-long, uh, beginning the Monday after Labor Day, uh, discussions about our community and mm -hmm. our history and uh, other topics as well. And I'm not sure how you uh, register for it, but if you go online with Adventures in Learning or contact uh, some of the people over at the uh, First Methodist Church, which is the facility that will be used. Uh, as before, I'll be talking uh, Monday morning, uh, doing an hour uh not really a lecture because I try to involve everybody in it, but uh, we will be leading a discussion about our local history. And uh, what are we going to talk about? I'm not sure at this point, except that it'll be relating to our local history. And uh, in doing a little preliminary research on that, I think uh, it may be fun at the first to kind of trace the way that uh, Rutherford County has physically evolved. Yeah. And uh, I was, for those of you listening, I was teasing Truman earlier because uh, there's a name that is very significant in our local history, but almost completely forgotten. Uh, at one time, what is now Rutherford County, and I'm, I'm in the middle of where we would talk about the evolution, but <clears throat> at one time, the real estate that is now Rutherford County was part of a district. And that was the term that was used, a district, mm -hmm. a governing district set up by North Carolina, carefully wedged in between what at the time, back in the 1780s, was still Indian lands and recognized as Indian lands. That's mm -hmm. another long story, but in the 1780s, there was a wedge, and it literally looks like a wedge if you draw it out on a map, of uh, real estate here with Nashville kind of in the center of it. And much of what is now considered Middle Tennessee, mm -hmm. not including anything uh, west of the river, the Tennessee River now, mm -hmm. and not including the Cumberland Plateau, but the, a wedge in there. And uh, it was called the Miro, M-E-R-O, and you sometimes find it spelled M-I-R-O, called the Miro District. Uh, North Carolina actually set up two such districts in what they claimed to be Western North Carolina at the time. And uh, it was just following the end of the Revolutionary War when the white uh, settlers began to come over this way, uh, pulled in part by the... Uh, revolutionary grants that were being passed around. Uh, the other district was upper, what we now consider Upper East Tennessee, uh, Tri-Cities area and mm -hmm. such, and it was called the Washington District. And you can see where the name would be appropriate and used a lot at the time, Washington. But what's this Miro, Miro District? Uh, there actually is an individual whose last name was Miro, his full name, I have to read it here. Esteban Rodriguez Miro. Esteban? Esteban hmm. Rodriguez Miro. And this one 
spells it M-I-R-O, although on most maps of that era it's M-E-R-O. Who was Esteban? He was at the time the Spanish governor of New Orleans hmm. and the area that Spain claimed relative to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I think, is in part speculation. But when uh, North Carolina was setting up these districts, the uh, Sir Miro had shut down New Orleans uh, to the uh, settlers upriver, which includes, of course, this Mm -hmm. Tennessee area. And the speculation is that the uh, leadership of the area at the time thought, well, maybe we can flatter Mr. Miro a bit by naming this area uh, for him. And so it became, the recommendation was made to the North Carolina legislature that it be named Miro District to honor the fellow who was being a bit difficult down in New Orleans. Uh, I think that's a little bit speculative. We don't know what was in their minds at the time, but in fact, it was named for the leader of the... Didn't they think Esteban was Zorro at one time? Uh, yeah, I think later he moved on out to California. Yeah. After they sold... Bless his heart. After they sold Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. Uh, but it was, and uh, I found in a recent publication a uh, map, which I'll be sure and use in September. And at the time, of course, there were only two counties. Mm-hmm. There were also the counties uh, beneath the district in terms of governance. And they were Davidson and Sumner. Hmm. You won, uh, It wasn't until 1799, several, a decade later, that Williamson and Wilson counties were created. Uh, Sumner County intrigued me. You know, why was it so early? Well, two reasons. As you trekked from the Cumberland Gap, which was a very uh, heavily used for that time period mm-hmm. for access over into what was then western North Carolina, uh, coming towards Nashville, which was an early settlement, uh, you went through Sumner County. So I think part of it is it was just kind of on the main route or one of two main routes. The other reason is deep soil. Sumner County is, uh, was then and perhaps still one of the better agricultural areas. You can tell that by driving up through there and seeing where they put all the subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a rule the subdivisions go where the best farming land is. Sumner County was rich in deep soil in the period, so it developed early. And, of course, Davidson County was the first settlement area. And all that's significant because comes along 1803 mm-hmm. and there's quite a bit of settlement in southern Davidson County and the, the many of the landowners came together and petitioned the legislature said give us our own county mm-hmm. so we don't have to deal with Davidson which was quite remote from much of other the lower south area so they took a piece of Williamson a piece of Davidson a piece of Wilson and as much of the Indian lands as they thought they could get away with at the time and created Rutherford County. But the southern boundary, because of the way they even described it, uh, they took the parts of the pre-existing counties, mostly Davidson County, <clears throat> but they didn't know where the southern boundary of Davidson County was. So they simply said that the southern boundary of Rutherford County was the Indian lands. 
and no one could say for sure. Certainly, the Indians probably had their idea about where their where the line would be, uh, and it was not until 1808, five years later, that a southern boundary for Rutherford County was set, and they did that by creating another county. They took Bedford County, they created Bedford County, which if you look is our immediate neighbor to the south. And I'm sure for a while, number of years, have to ask the the Bedford County historian, but uh, they probably had no idea where the southern boundary of uh, Bedford County was, because again, it was the Indian lands, Mm -hmm. uh, which was changing. now, uh, what said the uh, Cherokees at the time? Well, because they were uh, uh, they, a, a pretty uh, bright bunch uh, as far as being able to uh, uh, have uh, their economic values were so much higher than most of the other tribes were. Well, they're considered uh, a bit of ego on the part of the settlers, but they were considered a civilized tribe. Yeah. And they indeed had a system of uh, villages and uh, towns uh, that they governed Mm -hmm. and were quite well organized. And as many of us remember studying in Tennessee history, uh, one of their uh, leaders developed an an alphabet so that they could do like the white man and keep records Mm -hmm. of uh, whatever. Uh, but uh, interesting that in the period we're talking about the first decade of the 1800s there was a chief very influential among the Cherokees named Black Fox Mm -hmm. at least Black Fox was the name that the the white settlers used he had an Indian name as well which might have been translated into Black Fox Uh, but he dealt uh, always a uh, very good relationship with the uh, white uh, settlers. And uh, he negotiated with the federal government, its representatives in this area, and sold the uh, northern portion of what then were the Cherokee lands, the mm. southern portion of what now is Tennessee. He sold it to us, us being the white uh uh, settlers and uh, everything south of the Cumberland River down to roughly the Tennessee River as it looped down through Alabama. Who represented uh, the receivers in that situation? I can't call them by name, but there was a delegation, you might say, yeah. of uh, those with authority under North Carolina and ultimately under the federal government. And we've talked before, Black Fox uh, was smart because I think he kind of saw this is inevitable. We might as well get something out of it. Yeah. Uh, But he apparently also thought, you know, I'm making a real effort here. Perhaps I ought to get something out of it. Because if you read the uh, terms of the treaty that uh, he made, the contract, He included in there a a stipend, an annual payment to him for the rest of his life. And uh, he ended up, after the uh, Trail of Tears 
in Oklahoma and apparently still drew that stipend. I forget. It was something in the neighborhood of $1,000 a year or something like that, which was a lot of money back yeah. then. Uh, probably took it in coin, which probably means gold, gold or silver. Uh, and he was paid the, the uh, fee, stipend, uh, annuity maybe would be the modern word, for the rest of his life. That would be a good uh, topic for you to have in September. Um, I can't remember. I've I've sat through most of yours, uh, the, the education process, and it, it's really you make it fun for everybody. It's it's one of the more enjoyable classes. Yours and um, and uh, Steve Daniels does a lot of the the trials, of the very interesting trials that went on through the history of well, it. There, the history is just one of the topics. They cover a lot of things. And I think there's a catalog, so to speak, so mm -hmm. you can sign up for, for whatever, whichever you wanted to. Uh, we might want to notify our listeners, uh, if all three of them are listening, that in September I'll shift to a Tuesday schedule because it's Monday morning that we do the Adventures in Learning. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll plan on... You're going to have a hard time adjusting to that. Yeah, I know. It throws off my whole week. Yeah, it does. Uh, Tuesday will be Monday. In any event, we'll... Didn't, didn't, we, didn't you have Tuesday at one time Well, when before we, we went to the Mondays? When we started, it was on a Tuesday. That's what I was thinking. And I don't remember why we shifted to Monday, but we did. Yeah. I do remember your very first week. Dan Whittle was your Monday guest. Okay. Uh, I was your Tuesday guest. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what happened after that. Bud Mitchell was, uh, Wednesday, I can't remember Wednesday I, if it was Wednesday. Uh, uh, actually, it was kind of open. Uh, uh, Kenneth Victory, Coon Victory, was one of the first guests during that time. That first week. Yeah, we had a, we had, you know, I don't think any of us knew what was going to happen with it, the show back then. I know when Bart called me and he wanted me to do it, and I, I didn't have a clue what we were going to do. So we just sat down and started talking like you're at a coffee shop somewhere, and uh, that's been, what, 10, 11 years later or whatever. Well, I, uh, those early sessions, we talked a lot of history. Yeah. And now the Truman Show is part of our history and culture. Culture? <laughs> well, culture isn't necessary. I'm not getting blamed for that, big boy. <laughs> culture is not always refined culture. It can be. Yeah. Uh, it, it, isn't it funny that people can just be themselves and be enjoyable? I, I, I think that's that's the that's the special thing about it. I mean, everybody that's come on this show has been just so much fun for me. And I've been in a learning process for the whole 10, 10 11 years or whatever. What you looking for? Uh, I want to say something. He's probably not listening because he said he had something else he had to do this morning. But Ralph Fullerton over the years has been one of my uh, best sources, better mm -hmm. sources. And uh, one time when you had something else that you had to do, just insisted you had to have surgery or something. Uh, probably just something simple, heart attack or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I had to sit in your seat 
for a week or so. Yeah, later. and you complained bitterly about <laughs> I did. that too. You should schedule in advance. And yeah. Let me know you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. But Ralph was one of my guests during that time period. Ralph is a retired, I believe, the head of the geography department, if the if that's the right designation. Uh, he was at least a senior geogra- geography professor at mm-hmm. MTSU. Great guy. Yeah, and uh, I first got to know him. He was serving on the planning commission for the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, back when there was some discussion about uh, merging city and county functions. But uh, he sent me a note today and included a clipping out of the Daily News Journal about the... Uh, the award, the DAR award, and I really appreciate it because I missed that issue and didn't didn't realize there was a, a nice article in there with a picture of me about 20 years ago. You keep up with everything, don't you? No. Yes, you do. You most certainly do. I can walk in any room of your house, and it, it has some type of uh, article in there that will go back uh, through your dad's time and even beyond that, and uh, I've, I've I've never been able to do that. I'm not structured for it. I wish I was. Well, you're. I've been in your house, and it also is a bit of a museum. <laughs> a little more chaotic. Uh, you may want to you may want to bring in a new curator, but uh, it's all there. I can see the history of the sheriff's department and the history of the Truman. Jones claim. Now, the, the, the sweet ladies at the sheriff's office did that for me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and even uh, if it begins in your garage, up in front of your sissy little Cadillac, you got... Sissy there, Cadillac? Yeah. Yeah. Did I say that? Yes, you did. Oh, it's just a slip. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in front of your vehicle is uh, a display there in the garage of uh, the sheriff's sheriff department. History. Actually, that big old... Uh, it was out of the Daily News Journal, and uh, it was my 50th birthday. And uh, the, Boy, they did an article. Uh, do you still um, remember your 50th birthday? Yes, that I was do. A long time ago. I remember it very, very well because we I, uh, had a lot of our friends over that day, and everybody had something negative to uh, <laughs> to say about to you. throw at me. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, uh, sounds, sounds it was like a good a ro- day. Sounds like a roast. Yeah, it was a roast, all right. We're about out of time, aren't we? Well, if there's anything you want to cover or or uh, destroy in the next few minutes, you better bring it up. Well, I, we're going to have a good time tonight. We really are. And uh, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it with... Some of my best friends ever, and it's going to be special. Uh, I believe my wife is going to host a little gathering for you and all your girlfriends. All the ladies and that ran the sheriff's department for all those years, and uh, some of them are still running it. Bless <laughs> their hearts. And uh, yeah. I, I've been blessed in my life. I've had so many special people, so um, I want to stay around them as long as I can. Next week, barring some unforeseen i'm going to bring a guest mm-hmm. who i think will be the first time on the truman show uh, mayor bill ketron oh okay good he's going to come in and we're going to talk primarily history uh, and particularly some of the things he's done that uh, uh, show how rutherford county is dedicated they're committed to preserving and honoring its history 
uh, I've been real pleased with some of the work that's been done the last couple of years. And uh, I asked him quite bluntly, I said, well, I, I want you to come on. Do you want to come on with me and we'll talk history? Or do you just want to go one-on-one -on -one with Truman? And he thought for a split second and said both. So he's coming on with me next week, and I'm sure that uh, if you want to... He's a brave man, isn't he? Yeah, well, I told him he can talk politics with Truman, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk his... I, I do want to talk about the, the museum, the courthouse being a museum uh, we'll spend, in itself. because we'll some time uh, on that. There, there will have to be maybe some restructuring if, if it's done that way, because I want the second floor to be all judicial. And it had the DA's office and the, the circuit court clerk's office and, and the um, general, general say it had everything to do with judicial at the time. You mean judicial history? Yeah, judicial history, yeah. yeah. And uh, everybody that had anything to do during that time period uh, uh, with their responsibilities was all pretty much judicial. And, and it was one of the more fascinating times in my life and most others that had to, to, to go into the court system for whatever was going on with them at the well, time. I'm sure I and I'm sure the mayor will be delighted to know that you want to take a lead role in accomplishing that. Well, I just, I just want to give my information. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to take a lead role in anything. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. All right, guys. Thank you, Truman. Thank you, Greg. We'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.